Hi everyone and welcome to the Oplane podcast where we talk with the movers and shakers that are redefining the future of commercial aviation. As usual, before we start, let me remind you once more that all previous episodes of this podcast as well as many other aviation stories are available on the Oplane website. That's oplane.tv. A-L-L-P-L-A-N-E.tv. Today we're going to take a bit of a panoramic view of the industry because our guest is Ivan Terehov, who is the head of research and intelligence at TNMT, the research arm of Lufthansa Innovation Hub, which is part of the German airline of the same name. And it has the task of identifying promising new technologies in the uh, travel and commercial aviation space. TNMT publishes regularly research reports and newsletters about the state of aviation and travel technology, tracking the main trends, and not shying away from expressing often very strong but very well-grounded opinions about some of the most hyped technologies of our time. So I couldn't pass this opportunity to ask Ivan to share some details about the methods that they use at TNMT in order to evaluate the prospects of success of each of these new technologies. And also, I ask him to focus on those technologies that are likely to have a more direct impact on the aviation industry, such as electric and hydrogen propulsion, but also supersonic airliners, even airships, and of course, sustainable aviation fuel and advanced air mobility. But I think it's best if we hear it all directly from Ivan. So without further ado, let me welcome him to the podcast. Hello, Ivan. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Very good. Thank you. I'm very happy to have you here on the podcast because you are leading one of the, let's say, information sources that I, I consider fundamental to understand what's going on in the in the field of uh, technology, aviation technology, and, and travel technology in general. And that's uh, TNMT, which is affiliated with the Lufthansa Innovation Hub, which the name gives away. It's also linked to uh, a famous airline. But um we're going to go in detail now about how you guys are a structure, how you work and what you do. But first of all, can you tell us a little bit in a, in a few lines who you are and, and what's your role at TNMT? Sure. Quite happy to do so. Uh, thank you for, for the intro. So, I mean, just very quickly, maybe about myself. Um, originally, I'm from Moscow, but I was involved in all aviation topics from the, like, really from my students, student days. So I was uh, studying at the Moscow Aerospace University for like six years in the field of actually aircraft design, but more specifically operations research. So it's basically field of applied mathematics on how to build the planes and not just only that, but also how to optimize the operations and everything regarding operations and efficiency and different mathematical models, which was a lot of fun. But after university, I eventually joined German Aerospace Center so for my PhD, which I've done quite successfully, it also was about the future technologies in the aviation field and how to it will impact the future of sustainability in our industry. It was a very interesting projects. We worked a lot, for example, with IATA uh, mm-hmm. and other players on the market. So it was quite quite good. It's called DLR, DLR. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. The German it's for Deutsche Luft. Deutsche Luft and Raumfahrt. Oh, yeah. okay. That's <laughs> there. You say it. Yeah, no, I know because when I write articles about uh, innovation topics, that's an institution that has come up repeatedly. So, yeah. Yeah, that was an exciting time. I mean, I was part of the Institute of Air Transportation Systems in Hamburg, in Germany. And it was a very interesting time because we were looking into the all different new technologies. You know, back in 2012, 
when we still were thinking, oh, kind of a new Tesla innovation will come and disrupt Airbus and Boeing. Well, that's something we were talking about, but you see, I'm still waiting. <laughs> and uh, also was a time when we were working on the first models to understand how air taxis actually can work or how, how we're going to operate them, which was very interesting, um, very interesting time, I would say. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna ask you about the the flying taxis. I know the industry they hate this flying taxi I know, name. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Advanced air mobility. We're gonna talk about that because that's one of the topics that you guys have been you've been doing research in. And I think it's it's one of the things that I think deserve uh further scrutiny. Uh but yeah, sorry, I just didn't want to interrupt you. So then you move on to the uh, TNMT from from there? Or? No, actually okay. uh, I was in academia. I mean it's like academic environment uh, was quite interesting, but you know, like I wanted to have some a little bit more dynamics. So I, I joined a couple of startups in between. So maybe, you know, free now, like a taxi. Yes, 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 of course. Just a, a note here for whomever might not be familiar. It's, it's an application to basically to order a taxi. I think in Germany, it's very popular, possibly number one. I'm not sure. Uh, in other European countries, pretty well used as well. I'm not sure how it compares in terms of market share with with Uber on other applications, but it I think it's it's pretty big. Yeah, it is. I mean, I spent there almost two years. I was a part of the data team and mm-hmm. uh, at a marketplace analytics team. So basically, you know, all these uh, things about the dynamic pricing and allocation alg- algorithm. So basically, when you call a taxi, which one has to come to you? And also we worked with the dynamic pricing, you know, like when the price is changing and things like that. So it was pretty interesting. Um, but then eventually I moved to like Statista, another kind of startup. I don't know, maybe you heard about this. It's kind yep. of net for data. It comes up in the search results every time you look for some yeah. data point. That's right. I mean, they're quite yeah. good in this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm collecting, collecting data as well. Uh, so it was a very exciting time, but... After maybe a year or two, so I joined, I come back to aviation, which I'm quite happy about. And I joined uh, Innovation Hub and became um, a director for research and intelligence, which is very interesting. It's kind of continuation of my work, which I used to do in DLR. You guys do a lot of in-depth research about topics that are very current in the um, aerospace innovation industry. You have a newsletter that you are sending out uh, every couple of weeks something like that bi-weekly every two weeks uh, yes yes and actually i had the chance to collaborate with one of the editions that you guys did together with Time, which is one of the media platforms i collaborate with on a regular basis and there was a disjoint newsletter edition that mm-hmm. went out about a month ago uh, that was also very, very interesting. But I knew about your newsletter before that, and I've been long a subscriber because you've got really, really interesting data and analysis there about things that you hear about a lot. I'm going to talk about hype later on because advanced mobility hype, that's one of the topics I would like to touch upon. You guys dissect some of the, uh, let's say, hype topics that are out there, and you provide some context and some data and some hard analysis to see what's real, what's uh, hype, and put things in their proper context. So how you guys work? I mean, are you organized? You have a, a, a fully dedicated research team. How you choose the topics? Tell me a bit more about how you guys work at TNMT. And also would be interesting to learn as well, what's your link with the broader Lufthansa Innovation Hub system? Because I know there are different teams doing different different things as well. Sure. I mean, I think I will start with a little bit bigger picture about the Innovation Hub itself. So why do we exist? I mean, because we want to understand 
and be ready for the future. Yeah, because everything is changing within the travel and mobility industry, and it's uh, important to to capture and uh, prepare ourselves for, for that. And why basically Lufthansa in general? You would ask, like, why Lufthansa? Why do we do this kind of research, and why actually Hub is part of the Lufthansa Group? Um, I mean, the main thing here is uh, that uh, everything is changing again. Yeah, there are so many things are happening uh, within this uh, customer journey and things which impact the customer journey. For example, like substitution, for example, we use video call, right? Maybe, I don't know, in the past we would travel or I will go, I don't know, Barcelona or we will join me somewhere here in Germany or whatever. Yeah, well, we still do a, bit, a fair bit of traveling, but yeah, of course. Yes, uh, but I we mean, don't... You see, I mean, yeah, yeah, there are things which are impacting our behavior. So it's um, also some new competition. I mean, for example, if EV tolls or some electric aircraft, I mean, how they will impact the future behavior of travelers, how it will impact our future fleet and all these questions. Of course, I mean, and we have to be ready for that. So that's one of the reasons why are we here, just to get this understanding and get ready for the future. And the future I'm talking about 10, 20, 30 kind of long-term perspective um, yep. and to do so we have innovation hub and basically we have three teams within the innovation hubs so or capabilities uh, we say capabilities uh, the first one is the research team that's uh, the team research and intelligence uh, or strategic intelligence because research is just a part of our day-to-day -day work so we try to understand the trends we try to sense signals of emerging trends and monitor the market technologies behavior startups like investments and all things around that. The second team is our new business team. Um, so they, inspired by our input, uh, built new ventures, mainly digital because uh, light assets, easier to implement and the cycle is much faster uh, to fail. And the third one is our transformation team, which helps us to communicate innovations and set the innovation mindset in the group itself, in the Lufthansa group, and because they're an enormous group, so many people. And we're fairly a small team, I would say. Based in Berlin. Uh, you're you're all, all of you based in Berlin, yeah? You are in Berlin because Berlin is where, let's say, like the hub of all these German innovation scene. It's definitely a great environment for the startups. I mean, you know, Berlin is famous for that. And the reason for Innovation Hub to be there, it's the same. I mean, first of all, it's a little bit of distance from the headquarter. I mean, just to it gives us space to think uh, more and just try to come up with some unexpected maybe solutions or some new ideas. And of course, uh, in interacting with ecosystem definitely helps us uh, to do so, which is quite nice uh, to organize different events or just easier to talk and communicate with people within the startup environment there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are the key topics that have really been catching your attention uh, recently? One of them uh, we're going to talk about now is advanced air mobility, but which, which mm -hmm. other topics have been keeping you awake at night. I don't know if that's maybe a bit too dramatic, but <laughs> what that, like the, the, the things that really, really uh, get your mental broadband at the moment. Um, yes, of course. Um, yeah, there are some topics which are quite interesting. Of course, I mean, I will not put in this list uh, the advanced mobility. It's, of course, we do this and looking at this uh, developments, which is quite interesting. First point, of course, I mean, I think everyone is talking about like generative AI, right? So what does it mean? What does it mean for travel? And that's something we try to understand as well. So we try to observe uh, what's happening in this market, what kind of startups, what kind of ideas. So well, we don't see yeah. much travel-related cases yet. I mean, mainly it's uh, 
travel planning and some chatbots. So introduced by some companies, uh, but we're still yeah. observing. I think yeah. industry need to catch up on this. But I think the travel planning thing—it's—it's it's huge. I mean, if mm-hmm. if it changes the way that people search for this information and and books stuff. Mm-hmm. And the way that these systems pulled information from different sources, et cetera, can, can have very significant implications just as when Google appeared and people started searching differently yeah. and coming up with different ways of finding information. So even I mean, if it's okay. just only that, it, it's going to be really big. Yes. I mean, of course, it's right now it's quite early stages because we see so many different applications uh, or tools to do this uh, trip planning which is quite interesting to see. But I think it's quite stormy time in the very beginning and we need to give a little yeah, more time to get the situation yeah. to be mm-hmm. stabilized. But it's definitely something interesting. And we're also like running some research, try, trying to understand, okay, where actually that might fit uh, in the future of travel and mobility industry. Because we're not talking only about uh, heavy assets, but also about customer behavior and things like that. Um, but you were asking about the topics which uh, don't give me a, a good sleep. I mean, I think another one is Metaverse, which is kind of semi-forgotten right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might, might bring some interesting developments. We still need to observe it uh, and to see how it will interact with the generative AI because it might be additional booster for these topics. Um, but I don't believe it's going to be like we're going to live in the Metaverse, but some elements will probably become true. Uh, and then will impact somehow our travel behavior. Um, and the last but not least, uh, from kind of not really technical topics, is uh, customer behavior or people, how they travel post-COVID era. Because we see uh, all this additional requests on flexibility and people value more flexibility now rather than price. As you know, like the prices are going up, but we still have very high demand on travel. Uh, and it's all very interesting developments with which we're observing. For example, we were working a lot on the trend, call it, we call it blur travel, when we see that people are going for the longer time to some destinations and they work from there, but at the same time, it's a kind of holiday time for them, which is interesting yeah. to see. And we definitely see it's it's getting up. It's mm-hmm. one of our research we've done last year. Yeah. So I'm mean, think this like four main topics, something we are looking at currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember over the last few months, you were releasing, I think, a seven or eight part series where you basically analyze also different, let's say, new technologies that are being pitched as a future alternatives to uh, transform the way we, we travel by air, mm-hmm. different, very diverse things like supersonic flight, a new generation of aircraft, supersonic flight, for example, um, airships, which you were very critical about. Um, yeah, so you were very, very, very um, strict on, on analyzing each of them and, and, and finding mm-hmm. the pros and cons, which I found really interesting. I'm going to post a link in the show notes so that people can can check it out because that's definitely something that it requires sitting down for uh, some time and, and going through each of them. And it's it's quite amazing because it's an industry that was following very incremental steps for many decades. And now we've got this kind of boom of all these people trying very different things that are completely different technologies that take us on completely different paths. So um, I would like to ask you about each of them and to get your, your view, which ones you find more interesting and with better perspectives over the long term. Let's start by supersonic flight, because mm-hmm. there have been a couple of startups trying to do, again, supersonic flight, which is not entirely new. 
there was a Concorde, there was a Soviet supersonic airliner, but that never really worked as expected. And now there are some companies that are trying to do it again. And let's say this time is different. So what's your take on that? Supersonic. Yeah. Um, personally, first of all, I would say like, I love the idea of the technology to fly faster than speed of sound, but being pr pragmatic and looking after the data, well, I don't believe it's going to happen again. So, I mean, just first of all, it's a really wrong time for supersonic aircraft because in the age of sustainability concerns, well, it's not the right thing to do. I mean, mm -hmm. society will not accept it in the way. Even if and, flying with uh, SAF? I mean, who will fly on the supersonic with SAF? I mean, it's the ultra, ultra rich people, most likely. And then again, society will say like, what? <laughs> What's, what are we doing? I mean, why do we spend so much SIF on ultra rich people for supersonic flight instead of put them into the A320, for example? Mm -hmm. I mean, too many concerns and too many black boxes on the way to realize this technology. Moreover, to talking about the boom supersonic, when they lost their engines, I would say, like contract with the Rolls-Royce, I think if it was Rolls-Royce, I'm not Yeah, I think sure. so. Uh, yeah, I'll need to yeah. check. But I think yeah, so. but I mean, so basically they have no engines. And yeah. I think they decided to do it themselves. Well, you know, I don't think that it will come in two or three years as they promised. And I think that's the basically the end of supersonic ideas to realize this flight for commercial reasons. I mean, of course, I mean, if it will take some military things or, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure that even for business aviation, it, it will be the case. That's why, I mean, we looked in the media, we looked into the data competition and it doesn't seem to be that, like a good mm -hmm. solution for us. Okay, or, let's move next to electric propulsion. By electric, I don't mean just the eVTOLs, which I'm going to ask you about mm -hmm. separately, but electric uh, for conventional takeoff and landing. Yeah. Now there's a number of startups trying to do regional mm -hmm. aircraft. They promise to be flying by the end of this decade. Do you see this realistic? Well, um, I would say, yes, something will fly by the end of the decade. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's going to be like a like massive uh, passenger transportation uh, anytime soon. I mean, I love the topic. I mean, I love the idea of electric aircraft. I think it's fascinating. I love that so many different companies and startups started to work on it. But again, I think already in your podcast, maybe Tom Tom Vroyman, I think mentioned this. Yeah. I mean, the main problem is uh, payload, you know? Of yes, the yes. Yeah. I mean, how many people you can transfer? <laughs> like now the range is about two or 300 kilometers. Um, well, what about breakthroughs in battery technology? Do you see this happening? Uh, not not in the next decade, not in the, maybe the next two decades, but if we look at 50 years time, maybe. <laughs> I know it's difficult to, to tell so much in advance. So, Well, I would say like in this case, uh, it's good approach is scenario technique. I mean, if we'll say the business as usual and just batteries developing, like how they're developing now and like in, I don't know, 20, 30 years, we're going to have good, good capacities. Well, I would say in this case, of course, it will take uh, a lot of uh, routes, like long range or mid range routes, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And that will definitely help uh, our efforts on sustainability side of things. Because if you look right now, it's on the ranges under 500 uh, kilometers currently, right now. Our airplanes, uh, like our jets, like A320 and so on. Um, under 100 seats, I think they contribute about 4% of CO2 emissions or even less. 
if we do the step to 1,500 kilometer, uh, uh, kilometers ranges, then we'll cover, I think, around 20% of CO2 emissions we have currently. So you see, I mean, this yeah. step is very important. And then it definitely will be visible contribution into the CO2 efforts. So I hope it will work. I mean, I hope the batteries will evolve. I mean, the mm -hmm. price will probably go up. So it will not be, it will be more expensive than now to travel, but I hopefully to acceptable level. And plus electrical electric aircraft will contribute into the sustainability effort from the our sector in aviation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And also related to electric, but in a much more narrow use case is the EV tolls. Um that where the range is not so important, but there are other considerations here. The use cases, for example, the cost to compete with land transportation, um, access points, even regulation to have all sorts of flying things above our heads in, in cities, which is not clear it's going to be approved by the local authorities. So what's your take on this? Well, I mean, again, we looked into the, all the <laughs> data, how people are looking at this. I mean, I can tell you my story. So back in 2016, I believe, uh, we started to look into the air taxis. And honestly, I was so overexcited about the air taxis and especially like, I think it was Uber Elevate, which were promising, like we're going to fly like next year, but it never happened. It's not just, okay. I mean, to make something fly, like a concept is honestly speaking, it's not a big deal. Of course. I mean, there's some ch engineering challenges, but you can make one thing fly. Now we come to the point when we like companies claim that they want to produce a lot of these vehicles, they want to fly like, I don't know, every 10 or 15 minutes or so. Uh, and then there's so many questions. Okay, how are we actually going to operate? Are these companies going to operate or someone else is going to be operating? What about the airports or vertiports? How are they going to be designed? What about security? What about the airspace? Especially like when people are saying like, oh, we're going to do like, I don't know, four, like thousands of operations in a given period of time. And you're thinking like, wow, I mean, these things are going to fly. Like, I mean, visual noise, I mean, just noise. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, security, I mean, it's going to fell down on the people's heads. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, uh, you remember the case, uh, I think in New York, there was a company in the 80s, helicopter company. Yeah, I think which we, was operating. I, I forgot pa the name. I think it was a Panam was flying a uh, shuttle service, I think. Yeah, and I think there was like one accident which kind of stopped uh -huh. the, all the operations in mm. New York for this kind of service. And imagine what will happen with the IFTOLs. Like one accident or something will just put the big cross on all these things. But then, I mean, we're talking about the economy. Well, I mean, where are they going to find so many pilots? Because I don't believe that auton autonomous flight is going to come anytime soon. Like not within the five years for sure. I'm working on a. I'm working on an article precisely now about this, about the training of IFTOL pilots. Because yeah. it, from what I've seen so far is not, very well defined there there is no framework at the moment for this that's right i mean in this yeah. kind of like black boxes again you know like i mean this unknown situations there's so many of them and it's just simply not realistic to solve all these things and certification process right which takes i mean uh, so many it take a lot of many years a lot of money and we see that they are short on cash right now all, all this like uh, the most promising startups like holocopter lilium whatever and of course, I mean, they claim kind of, yeah, we're going to start soon, which is fair enough. I mean, probably they will be able to start soon, but the, it looks like it's going to be more on the luxury side, kind of additional service for helicopters, kind of first class passengers, last mile delivery to somewhere. You know, I mean, probably it will go into this direction first. And then later on, who knows, 
yeah, we'll see what happens. But I don't believe in the, uh, massive operations in the near future for the EFTOL companies. Okay. I mean, it simply doesn't really work from mm -hmm. an economic point of view and engineering and operational hurdles we have. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ask you about airships because you you wrote a very damning uh, report, very critical of, of the whole concept well, of... I mean, just two words. Blast from the past. Yeah. I mean, Although one, I had... Just I... One, one, one little thing. I mean, when we were doing the research about the uh, airships, so every time when you looked like which the most cited articles or what they are talking about, they're talking about this uh, catastrophic event of Heidelberg in the mm -hmm. United States. Still, like 20% of articles about airships referring to this event. Well, I mean, yeah. Although so I, I must say I was quite skeptical as well, but <clears throat> I had on the podcast the, the CEO of uh, Hybrid Air Vehicles, for example, that is designing this airship that's going to be primarily for cargo. <clears throat> and actually... Well, I don't know. Maybe for some niche cases, I, I don't know. But I haven't run the numbers, so. <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 talking here about the transportation, like passenger transportation. Yeah, yeah. I that's I don't know. Maybe some luxury hotel somewhere. Mm -hmm. One case, but it's not for passenger transportation. How we? Mm -hmm. I, I I think yeah, fair enough. Maybe some uh, specific like uh, cargo operations. Yeah, why not? Mm -hmm. But I mean, to take an airship to go, I don't know. From mm -hmm. Hamburg to Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There, there are some very impressive pictures of these yeah. airships over cities. <laughs> I mean, usually marketing materials are very yeah. impressive, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't understand me wrong. I, I love to see the huge thing in the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, thinking about pragmatical point from pragmatical point of view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that takes us to the next point, which is hydrogen. Hydrogen propulsion, oh, yeah, Hot which topic. is what, one of the favorites for, let's say, the medium and long haul passenger transportation. Yeah, I mean, that's very interesting because when I kind of first faced hydrogen concept, I also was like, kind of really like, wow, yeah, that's gonna, it's gonna take us somewhere. But honestly speaking, looking deeply, uh, definitely need some more research on that. I mean, I'm what I mean, like fundamental research on, on this technology. So there is still a lot of unknowns. There are big question actually about sustainability of hydrogen. So when we talk about the green, uh, no, blue and gray hydrogen, I mean, of course, the best solution is the green hydrogen, but of course, it's the most expensive one for now. I mean, and how it will develop in the future, we still need to have a lot of, lot of years ahead uh, to take time to do the research and construct maybe some hydrogen cases. Yeah, and it's it's exciting, it's interesting, it's something, it's definitely something new, uh, but definitely needs some additional research, especially if we talk as well about non-CO2 emissions. Well, I mean, contrails, how it will impact the environment, how it will, yeah, how, yeah, how it's going to be. So too many questions again, which are kind of hard to answer right now. I know that it's, of course, it's a hot topic. I mean, we want to believe that hydrogen will save us. But I mean, to get to this level, we need to invest a lot into the research first. True. So that leaves us with uh, sustainable aviation fuel, SAF. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, one of the outcome of the study <clears throat> because uh, it seems like SIF, that's going to be a solution for this transition period. Let's, again, consider a scenario business as usual that hydrogen will come aircraft maybe in 30 40 years or so and then electric aircraft also will come to this uh, mid ranges 
but yes, sustainable aviation fuel is something we're going to use. I mean, and it works. We don't need to modify infrastructure that drastically, like for hydrogen or even for electric aircraft. Um, it will provide us a hopefully a smooth transition to the new technologies in the future. And it's just obviously something we need to use right now uh, if we want to go to the more sustainable future. And it's definitely something many companies are working on. And it's definitely like the volume and the prices will a little bit go down. But again, it will be the travel in the future. I think it's going to be more expensive than now, but and to acceptable level. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, well, it, it will require a big ramp up of production, which I guess mm -hmm. it's, it's technically doable um, if there is a, a commitment yeah. to move in that direction. So yeah. and then all the rest will follow, I guess. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's again the current fleet constellation. Yes. Yeah? So I think right now we have about 30,000 aircraft, the world fleet, right? I mean, Airbus and Boeing, they have orders for about like 15,000 right, aircraft right now. And take into account the retirement age of the aircraft of, let's say, like 25, 30 years. So you'll see that it takes a long time to substitute the fleet, even what we have right now. So it yes. will take, yep. I don't know, like next 40 <laughs> years. Just in, add something new to that. Indeed, we're going to say the same. I mean, it's mm -hmm. uh, interesting, but we have to be ready for the future. We need to understand the sustainable aviation fuel. That's the thing we need to use now. I mean, even mixing with the like providing some mixtures, it's already a good thing, which will help us to reduce our CO two emissions. And, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, indeed. But there's one in particular that I found really interesting from the point of view of prospective, because it's something that is entirely new and different and that has many uh, use cases that are not totally clear now, which is advanced air mobility. You follow a methodology, which is called the Gartner hype cycle analysis, which is not exclusive of the aviation industry. I mean, Gartner is a large consultancy firm that analyzes technology and a whole range of industries. They follow this methodology and you follow this methodology as well to analyze the prospects of a specific new industry, like in this case, advanced air mobility. If you look at advanced air mobility in particular, where are we now in the uh, Gartner hype cycle? And what are the perspectives in the short to medium term and also in the longer term, if we look at maybe 10 to 20 years into the future? By the way, let me start by saying like the Gartner hype cycle. You can graph this hype cycle with a line that moves along two axes, one that shows time and the other the level of excitement that a new technology brings about. At the start, there are big expectations and the hype line goes up until it reaches a so-called peak of inflated expectations when basically the wonderful future that everyone was awaiting fails to materialize and then the hype deflates. The line goes down to the so-called trough of disillusionment, but during all this time, people keep working on this new technology, improving it and finding suitable applications for it. So slowly but steadily, expectations increase again. This is the so-called slope of enlightenment. And the line continues to go up, but on a more gentle slope, until the technology reaches maturity and it becomes mainstream. So this is the so-called plateau of productivity. which is something that we, we saw, for example, with the internet and the, all this boom in the early 2000s. Then there was this big crash, but then a few companies then later emerged and now we, we use the internet for pretty much everything. And many of the companies that survive actually are, are now really, really huge and profitable businesses. So 
applying this methodology, where are we now in terms of uh, advanced air mobility? Wow, that's a good that's a good question. I mean, it's uh, actually it was a very very interesting research in general and trying to understand. But I mean, just how everything started with this hype cycle. It also will answer your previous question: how actually we selecting the topics. Actually, yeah. we just had a conversation because uh, with with some uh, with my colleague, um, and we were talking like, oh yeah, air taxis, like supersonic, and and then we had like different opinion when it's going to come actually. And we have different opinions on these technologies. And then we started to think, like, why do we have different opinions? Because we have we read the same things, yeah. uh, more or less. Yeah, we had different opinions here in this podcast as well, because yeah. I've got some guests that are in the industry or they are very bullish on this industry. And then I've got some other guests that are also very, very well informed and very uh, up to date with all mm-hmm. technology things. And and they are very critical. And both sides have very valid arguments yes. uh, in favor and against. So it's difficult to uh, make sense of it all. Yes. I mean, uh, and then we, we got an idea. I mean, let's try to find a framework where we can accommodate all these like, uh, technologies or these trends somehow and be able to compare with each other. And uh, yeah, and we were looking and we're like, okay, Gardner Harp cycle seems to be a good one because as you, as you said, many people talk different things. Like some of them very optimistic, some of them really pessimistic. And we decide, okay, we should not take into account only technological side, but also like what people are talking about. And then Gartner Hype Cycle was the perfect match, I would say, for this particular task. And again, saying about the Hype Cycle, it's basically two curves, right? I mean, first, it's, as I said, hype. It's just one hype in the beginning of the technology. It's like basically example, generative AI right now. So it's a super hype. Um, but then when we come closer to the actually business uh, business or engineering maturity, and then people understand, well, we need some time uh, to develop the technology like physically, like engineering work, uh, then it's getting boring and people don't really talk much about this. So hype goes down, but we still need to work on the technology itself. Yeah. So, and then we decided, okay, let's put it on. <laughs> let's put this on the hype cycle. And then we also had a lot of discussions, but uh, we decided not decided for you. Always try to base our analysis on data. So, and we collected some data which uh, helped us to place all the strengths on the on the curve. First of all, like how people talk about the technology, like how many, for example, articles actually about I don't know supersonic aircraft or uh, sustainable aviation fuel. So, how many articles actually are out there and like year over year growth? And for some cases, you clearly can see uh, that it's changing. Uh, the same as like we looked into the Google Trends, which straightforward, very simple thing to have a look, but it gives some interesting uh, insights on that. Also, we looked from the technical perspective and maturity um, of the technology itself, for example, different patents. Uh, and uh, last but not least, we collected over the years a very nice uh, database of all startups uh, within the TNMT. Not all, I hope, majority, <laughs> most of them, yeah. uh, which helps us to understand um, like uh, the investments into the particular startups in particular field, the developments within these companies, um, and so on. So to understand the competition itself. And taking all the different perspectives, merging it into one, helped us to bring this hype cycle to life, which I think is very insightful. I mean, of course, there will be there are different opinions, like where to put this particular trends. But I personally believe we try to make it as much uh, data-driven as possible in order to justify why do we see the strengths in this uh, particular place of the curve? And talking about the advanced mobility in general, like if we'll talk, uh, if we'll combine all the trends maybe together and 
see like, okay, where is that? I mean, in my opinion, the kind of it's after the hype, like hype is more or less over. We're in the down curve, in my personal opinion. I have started seeing some articles mm -hmm. talking about the financial performance of the mm -hmm. operators that have gone public via yeah. SPAC mm -hmm. and also some more critical articles lately about the prospects of uh, advanced mobility. Yes, I mean, especially if you look into, you're right, into the uh, investments, uh, VC numbers, I mean, compare different years. So we see that it's like going down over the years. So 22 was definitely less investments than 21, which was a quite exceptional one. Mm -hmm. um, but we see this dynamics, um, which like not so much money going into this industry anymore. So money are not cheap anymore. So... Yeah. At the same time, I'm not sure whether this is a hype that it's happening only inside the industry, but mm -hmm. in the, let's say the broader world, when I talk with people that are not so much following the aviation and aerospace news, there is not so much awareness of everything that's going on in this space. So mm -hmm. um, I don't know up to which point the hype is behind or, or there might be a hype when <clears throat> when these things start really becoming a real thing and everyone starts like, wow, you know, what's this? What's this new thing? There's a possibility of having like a, let's say a quote unquote public hype where like it becomes mainstream and then goes through again through the same cycle. I don't know. Just an hypothesis here. Well, I mean, can be. I mean, I'm not really sure like uh, that completely new things will come the next 10 years or so. <laughs> and uh, thinking about uh, public hype, well, yeah, can be. But I still think it will follow more or less the, the same pat pattern we observe mm -hmm. right now. Uh -huh. I don't think there will be changes. I mean, we are talking about like next 10, maybe 20, 30 years max. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I'm not really sure what will be in 20 years. Uh, 90 or something mm -hmm. yeah like so, 30 years so if we have the <clears throat> the gardner hype cycle methodology you have first uh, the technology trigger which is the ascendant phase of the of this technology where it's being hype and everyone is is really hot and everyone wants in then there's something called the peak of inflated expectations. People start questioning whether the assumptions were real, then go through this through of disillusionment where people are a bit disappointed by all these expectations that haven't have failed to materialize. And then we get to this thing called the slope of enlightenment where basically all the, let's say the, the good projects are sorted from the bad projects and the, the good projects start uh, raising again. And until you, they get to a plateau of productivity becoming mainstream and it doesn't grow as fast, but it, it's there. It's not disappearing. Would you say we have reached the peak of uh, inflated expectations on advanced mobility? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's like really correct to speak about the entire advanced mobility topic where it is. I mean, if I had have to say, I would say it's after the peak of inflated expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would uh, rather consider like each trend individually because they're quite different, honestly speaking. What, what do you mean by each trend? Uh, by each trend, I mean, uh, if when we look into the hype cycle itself in technologies, we consider it. I mean, we call technologies mm -hmm. the trend. For example, um, sustainable aviation fuel, uh, airship, uh, yeah. mm -hmm. hydrogen aircraft, electrics, and yeah. everything mentioned in there. Yeah, yeah. So, Every one of these technologies has, of course, its own its own cycle and its own drivers. One of the common drivers is sustainability, of course. Like everyone is striving now to fly in a cleaner way. The other one possibly is the availability of 
investment. There seems to be kind of more open-mindedness on the investment side to consider disruptive projects, things like uh, Evitol flying taxis, again, airships, et cetera, et cetera, supersonic flight, even hypersonics. I had here on the podcast uh, an entrepreneur that is doing an hypersonic aircraft, which is an order of magnitude <laughs> more disruptive than uh, even than a supersonic flight. All these projects, all these different hype cycles are driven by some common underlying trends in our society or, or let's say in the financial markets that have made them all flourish more or less at the same time. Well, I mean, I think underlying thing which we can observe in every trend is sustainability. When you look at this each trend, actually everyone is talking about sustainability in a way. So it's definitely a, a common trend across all these different technologies how they will impact sustainability, how, how is it going to be a positive effect, or how they try to mitigate negative effect. If, for example, we talk about supersonic aircraft. And also, I think there, there's a re very real threat for the industry as a whole if, let's say, the public opinion and the regulators, uh, well, pressured by the public opinion, are turned against the industry. And <clears throat> there's a real fear that it happens like with the tobacco industry, for example, that is labeled yeah. as uh, undesirable and all that. So, mm -hmm. so I think that there's, there's a lot of that as well here. Of course. I mean, I, I heard this well. It's like aviation is like new oil industry, you know, uh, tobacco and things like that, which actually, honestly speaking, personally, I disagree because I see how much effort, how much, how much like resources is put into the uh, aviation sector in order to solve this uh, problem with sustainability. Yes, as well, the um, the sort of, of capabilities that aviation brings to society as a whole in terms of connecting people and connecting businesses, driving economic growth, et cetera, et cetera. But well, yeah, I think that that's possibly a topic for another, a whole other episode of, of the podcast. But, but yeah. Yes, definitely. But yeah, I mean, coming back, sustainability definitely unites all this, uh, all this trends and topics. So, and if you look into the future, of course, we want to believe that, and I'm sure that in some point aviation is going to be sustainable and CO2 neutral. I mean, there are different other concerns we have to consider, like non-CO2 emissions, which we still need to investigate and understand better because potential impact is even worse than CO2 emissions. So that's something to look at. But I'm pretty sure that a lot of people are already on it. Research institutions, I don't know, for example, DLR, I mean, it's like huge institution and in yep. Germany and all across the world, people are thinking about how to solve this problem. So I think the solution is on the way. Yes. What projects are you working on at the moment? Uh, anything that you're planning to release soon in form of report or analysis? I mean, we work on some uh, interesting stuff, as I mentioned before, Metaverse. So mm -hmm. we are talking about Metaverse, trying to... Uh, come up with some kind of framework uh, where we can map some use cases and understand where it can bring us within the travel mobility industry. Uh, we actually work on the, finally, we work on the big framework. You probably know about this because I think you talked to my colleague Tino before about the Grayton version. Yes. So mm -hmm. finally, that... it will materialize from presentations into the written text. Mm -hmm. That it's more about, not so much about aviation specifically, but about travel in general and how different lifestyles and, and ways of tra organizing travel and work are emerging. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, all about the kind of <laughs> mega trends we identify and believe they're happening right now within the, again, travel and mobility industry. And we're working on describing all the strands and hopefully soon 
like I would say as soon as like May or some point in May, we will start releasing this uh, insights and the framework, which I think it's a give us some interesting insights and kind of frame the current technologies that we see into the kind of concept and gives us clear clarity on all these things, which mm -hmm. I think is one of the jobs we do as well as a yeah. research team to provide some clarity on what is happening and make it easier to understand and grasp and also to identify future opportunities for, for all of us. I just want to, to wrap it up by asking something. All this research you do, you, you put a lot of uh, great work out there, but do you have a... Um... A business model as a as TNMT or all this production of very interesting content is basically a way for Lufthansa Innovation Hub to uh, to establish its presence in in the broader, let's say, aviation and travel and transportation world. Or what what's the ultimate business model that that you guys have? Yeah, there there are a couple of a uh, couple of points on that one. So. The first thing is we don't work on the request, so we define the agenda. So we define what kind of research questions we want to consider and what to actually ultimately publish on TNMT. So we publish, I would say, like 90-95% of our research on TNMT as well. So we don't really cover that much information from our activities. So talking about the business model, we are publishing content because we believe it's not a secret for anyone. And of course, it contributes into the reputation of innovation hub itself and of course it's uh helps uh people in the lufthansa group as well to mm -hmm. understand the like latest trends and of course like after the releasing different articles we like people approaching us we do some internal sessions and we help people to understand better what is actually happening on the market so mm -hmm. we don't i mean we're not a profit center so we don't uh we don't sell things right now you don't do consultation for example for external clients um, no, no, we don't do it yet. I mean, also we have to take into account that the team is quite small. So yeah. we are some, uh, a few people in Berlin. We have two people in Singapore. That's basically it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like less than 10 people for sure. So mm -hmm. that's, uh, also we need to take into account when we do things. Mm -hmm. Well, in any case, uh, yeah, that's, that's great that you are putting all that content out there for <laughs> everyone that has an interest in this very interesting moment that the industry, the aviation industry is going through. People that want to learn more about what you guys do, follow your writings, get your updates, your newsletters, where should they go? Well, I mean, tnmt.com, I would say. that's Tnmt.com. Yes. That's right. We have a newsletter, bi-weekly newsletter. Please feel free to subscribe uh, to mm -hmm. our newsletter where we provide all the latest updates, what's happening in the travel and mobility industry, plus uh, some insights from our side, uh, what to expect in the future. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Ivan, for this very interesting conversation today. I'm looking forward to reading all this new work that you're going to be releasing in the coming weeks and months. Sure. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mikhail. Thank you. Me. Before you go, and if you like this podcast, a quick reminder that it would be absolutely great if you could please give it a rating on Apple, Spotify, or whichever platform you are using, or recommend it to a friend or whomever might be interested. Thank you very much, and see you soon. Yeah.